0: Welcome to Food Friends, I'm Carrie, And I'm Sonia. We met in Los Angeles over 15 years ago as private chefs and haven't stopped talking about food since. We created Food Friends to share our stories
1: and recipes with each other and you. We're so glad you're here.
0: Sonia and I share a deep love for the farmer's market and we're both looking forward to the prime farmer's market season that's arrived now that the weather is getting warmer. And as always, we're sharing what we learned about shopping, but also discussing what to do with all that produce once you get home. Stay tuned for more. Hi, Sonia. Hi,
1: Carrie. I am so excited to be here today because the sun is finally shining. And the farmer's markets are all opening up and we're about to hit this prime farmer's market season. And you and I, I can't think of another person who loves farmer's markets as much as I do.
0: We share this deep love, although I feel like I imagine the same is true for you when you go to your farmer's markets in Portland as it is for me when I go to the farmer's markets here around Los Angeles or really anywhere I just like the farmer's market people. Like you see the the same, all the people. I mean, I've lived now I've lived in Los Angeles for 19 years and there are people who I like, I see them. I don't always know their names, but the same people I see going to the farmer's market every week or every time I'm there.
1: Remember when I came to visit you and I went yes. back to the Hollywood Farmer's Market yes. and I hadn't been in five years. I five used years, to go every week. People
0: people recognized the,
1: you. People recognized me yeah. and we had reunions and hugs yes. and it was just so – it's because you do. You form a – there's regulars and then there's yes. – the people who work the stalls, whether they're farmers or not, it's just right. a community. It's a
0: beautiful place to connect with people, and people will give you a sense of like, oh, like this stand has amazing strawberries today, or amazing broccoli, or you should check out this, and or I made this last week. Like, there's just such or a- do you have
1: those strangers who stop you and say like, where'd you get your berries? Or you might yes. stop them and be like, or I do you the, get the that same as- thing. I'm like, yeah. wait, I didn't,
0: I didn't see those turnips. <laughs> Where did you find those? You know, exactly. Uh, yeah. And then you end up kind of making a friend that way?
1: I think, you know, I get asked about the farmer's market a lot. And I remember when I first started going in my 20s. And I remember the first few times, especially in California, where they're so massive, I was intimidated. I was overwhelmed. I would get FOMO. Like I brought, I bought something from the wrong stand and somewhere else was better. You know, that very unique farmer's market FOMO. And I would, it was (laughs) overwhelming. And then I just kept going just like everything in life. The more you do it, the Easier it the more is. more comfortable
0: you get with it. Yeah. No, I agree. And it's funny. I do find that fever – I want to talk about that FOMO idea because yeah. – You know, you and I go to the farmer's markets every week. That's something that average of once a week. um, It's just part of our life. That's part of my lifestyle, my family's lifestyle. It's like, I know what to expect. I've seen what was last week, what was this week. But I think there are these things that happen in certain seasons, like the first stone fruit comes out and it's like, oh, well, this farmer's apricot, like a certain item is like so incredible. And if you bought the plums from one stand and you should have brought them from another stand, I have to remind myself. To take a breath and say, This is such an incredible experience, period. Yeah. And what a beautiful, all this abundance. And it's like, yes, maybe one plum is slightly more sweet than the other, but it's like, this is a plum that was grown down the street from me or two hours away from me. And what a beautiful thing that it is, you know?
1: Yeah, I think not getting to FOMO is important. I also just want to <laughs> acknowledge that. I understand that the farmer's market can feel intimidating and also inaccessible. And I think there's a lot of things where it's where people believe every single thing's more expensive at a farmer's market. And it's true that some things can be more expensive. But I actually find when you're shopping in season and depending from what stall, it's the same or sometimes even less than organic produce anywhere else in a conventional market. Now, if it's not organic, there's a difference, you know, and I understand the privilege of being able to go to living in a place even where there's year round. Yes. farmer's market yes. is an incredible privilege in its own right, let alone going to them all the time. But it is a priority for us as a you know family to get our food from the farmer's market, not just because it to me tastes better and there's often things you can't get just in a store, but also because it's really local. I often know yeah. the people growing my food, what they're using. It's also like being in a community locally, supporting the people I know, and they're supporting me with their incredible food. So
0: yeah. yeah. I'm glad you use that word community because I think that's that's what, especially as a transplant from Illinois, from the Midwest, when I came to the farmer's market, I just feel like I kind of found my people. And mm-hmm. that was one of my first entries into community in here in Los Angeles. And when I was working as a private chef, I was shopping for my clients a lot at the farmer's market. And that's how I became friends with a lot of people there. And there was a summer when one of my clients went away and I was kind of left in this limbo land of I had a lot of extra time on my hands, but I didn't another client and this farm, this potato farmer, Wiser Family Farms, they were full for this for the summer. They didn't need more paid help, but they agreed to let me volunteer at their stand every week. <laughs> so they like took me in and that was one of my first, I felt like I was a part of a family and they took care of me and they, I Did learned they pay so much. They did. They paid me in produce and also in laughs because it was just a really funny group <laughs> of people and joyful. And it was such a great way to like learn about what was seasonal, learn about the different varieties. Like a potato is not a potato, is not a potato. Like it was, you know, well this one is they called it like, you know, this is a German butterball and this is a magic Myrna and this is a Laker Baker and you know, you start oh my to gosh And they're
1: melons. If you want to talk about melons or not oh. melons like the melons
0: are not melons no that was and that was a very funny summer too cuz i worked at the melon part of the stand with a very hilarious <laughs> british man who we're just like the jokes were just flying about the melons and you know we were there to help people pick their melons and so um, <laughs> i can't i'm sorry was. i cannot laugh it's very funny but you know you're bringing funny. up you're bringing up
1: a really good point which is you started forming connections in part because of your work and then you've f- formed personal connections because you actually volunteered there you know i can mirror that too because in california i was mostly i mean i did get produce for work a lot but also i was just a customer sometimes and those mm-hmm. formed different kinds of relationships but when i came to portland and i had a restaurant it really deepened my relationship because i was putting in long you know larger orders and i was directly communicating with the farmers every week and that just creates a different dynamic but i also want to offer that in both instances when i lived in california and when i moved here i've had opportunities to visit Farmers' farms, and if anyone has that opportunity, or you don't want to impose yourself and be like, can I just show up on your farm? You know, especially unannounced. When you develop a relationship, and the person you uh, you ask or they offer seeing their farm, I've never been on a farm where the farmer isn't so excited to show you everything show you they're, growing, they're growing to show you their land to show you their tools like they love yeah. share it's like any of us we love sharing what we do and yeah.
0: if you're a, if you're someone who's growing food to feed people that pride is so it's just it's a different kind of person yeah i i had a similar experience that wiser family farms um i've been out to their farm a couple of times and i remember going out and pulling a carrot out of the ground like yeah. seeing that the, the, one of the things that they grow besides potatoes are tons of amazing carrots. And so like pulling a carrot out of the ground and having that experience was so different for me than just experiencing a bunch of carrots on a table. It's like, oh, yeah. right, this is what it looks like when you pull it out. And his farm is in a valley kind of surrounded by mountains, so it can be really cold. And I remember being there when there were a lot of like apples on the trees. And so we picked the apples off of the tree. Yeah. <laughs> the apple was like refrigerated because- Because the air, air is so
1: cold. It's just a different experience. Chasing something right out of the ground is different than even a few hours later. So it's – Highly recommend. But I wonder if we can continue with sort of how we approach the farmer's market because it does change for me, but I kind of have a rhythm every week. And I wonder if, you know, it's similar to yours.
0: Do you have, by the way, it's like logistically, like do you have a parking spot that you always choose? Like, <laughs> yes. do you make yourself a list? Do you take oh, a Oh, how clipboard? funny.
1: What I a know, great right? question. I do have a parking <laughs> spot and I had one in LA too. And it's, you know, like when it's not there and you're like, why is my parking spot not here? Someone took
0: my spot, <laughs> yes. right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I have my preferred parking areas and streets. I have my preferred route. I tend to bring clipboards if I'm shopping for work or a gig. If I'm just shopping for the family and it's like a small shop, I don't make a list because I we kind of have the things we always get. But if there's wait Wait, you just go
0: no list if it's just you and Jonathan? Most
1: weeks I go no list unless we're having company or there's a holiday or I'm doing an event. Okay. But if it's just yeah. the two of us, I go without a list. I always know the basics I'm getting and then I love leaving room for inspiration whatever a couple whatever. of
0: special things that show yeah, up right whatever right.
1: calls to me that day so, you know I always do an inventory of what's in my fridge before we go and I look at what, what are we missing what's on its way out what do I definitely not need to rebuy cuz I have a tendency to overbuy things yes. I like i don't yes, know if you do yes. but i'm like yes, okay same. you're not allowed to get any more scallions you have plenty like right. finish those first but there's things just that we're getting year round no matter what so i know i'm going to get a variety of greens cuz John and eats as you know from our lunch at home episode he eats yes, uh, greens, greens every almost day. every day Ridge. and I'm gonna get definitely root vegetables whatever carrots are around and usually beets and then potato season's pretty long here and I just think but farmers market potatoes don't even compare to store bought. So not at all. Yeah, yeah. It's so the only get to buy them, right. Yeah. Right. Usually there's one fresh herb I'm picking up of some kind, depending on the season. In the summer just to have I'm, it
0: on hand. Yeah, mm-hmm. I find I just grab a couple. You know, parsley, cilantro, scallion, mint. Well, I guess mint, we have mint yeah. growing.
1: Tarragon. My friend grows amazing tarragon. In the summer she has shiso. That's incredible. And then it's all really seasonal, right? So like there's the greens and roots and herbs that are kind of year round. That I can always find. And then now like it's starting to get very exciting. We're in asparagus season. I mean California has amazing asparagus. But the asparagus here has blown me away. And coinciding with asparagus are all the pea shoots. And the, the you know, peas. Right. The peas. The all pea the different shoots.
0: varieties of peas too. Right. Like All the different kinds. Certainly for me growing up I – always just think of like you know a pack of peas in the freezer which is a great thing to keep in the freezer but those you can get those they call them english peas yeah and so you can buy them at the farmer's market and shell them yourselves but then there's also they sometimes have shelled
1: ones too yeah yeah
0: the snap peas the snow peas i have yellow snow peas growing in my garden right now which is incredible my pea
1: shoots are very small right now but the other thing that's been so good and i think you guys have it too is the japanese white turnips that have. Yes. And so here they come very small and with incredible greens. And that to me is a two-for-one buy because it's a huge bunch of – right now the greens are so beautiful and they taste so good to me, sautéed or in soup. Yeah, you
0: sauté them. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then the white parts, the turnip parts, I find they're much better raw, thinly sliced on a mandolin or just by hand as opposed to cooked. Like they taste almost carroty very mild and crunchy. Well,
0: I – did not grow up eating turnips. And I don't really have like an entry point to turnips at all, except that, again, this stand that I – Wiser Family Farms, I really love this group of people. I was walking by their stand one day, and one of the guys held out a handful of Japanese turnips, and he was like, here, you have to taste these. And I ate one. It was so sweet. I ate the whole bunch. It's completely unwashed.
1: sweet. Yeah, they're really <laughs> – that's how – I mean, my friend, uh, Josephine, who's a local chef, I have often seen her walking around with a bouquet of turnips and just munching yes. on them. And yes. I'm like, that's the way to do it.
0: Yeah. And then you save the greens and you take them home and you wash yeah. them and saute them. But that experience is a nice segue into just like the berries that are coming.
1: Wait, wait, wait. But we haven't talked about what your strategy is. You haven't oh, right, shared right, right, how you okay. approach.
0: Yes. I don't know that I was ever aware of my strategy except that now – our family is going to the farmers market together, which is something I used to do for my job. And then I also used to take Mac when he was a baby when I was yeah. at home with him. But now he's in school, and so we kind of all go to the farmers market on the weekend. And you know, my husband is usually driving our car, and so I'm like, no, no, turn here, turn here. No, we, I don't park <laughs> here. I wanted, to-. and I was sort of like, I realize how opinionated I am about where I like to park at which farmers market. You know, I guess sort of like the way that I approach the grocery store. I have a path that. I like to take that in my brain. That's how my brain works. So I have a parking spot generally mapped out for whatever farmer's market I'm going to. I never go without a list because <laughs> if I don't have a list, I end up spending way more money than I intend to. And I end up with a bunch of stuff that I sometimes can feel a little overwhelmed with. Mm-hmm. To your point, I like to leave a little space for what might show up that was unexpected or you know that I've maybe I've never even tried before. In California, there are all kinds of things that just show up that you're like, wait i didn't even know that this thing existed
1: because you were talking about your path and i have the same thing like i because i want to start with my favorite farmers first is your path at all about that or is it just more like i know i need this from here and that from there
0: Well, I think part of it becomes, because I don't have a cart, I carry everything. So it it actually becomes about how do I make it easiest on myself? Like where do I park so that if I'm making multiple trips back to the car, like I'm not walking up so many stairs or walking down too many blocks or whatever. So yeah, generally it's kind of like, how do I get in and out in the most efficient way? So it's not about the farmers. Like if I know that the strawberries are going to be a hot item that day and I'm kind of running on the later side, like I I there get, first. I get to that stand first and get in line if there is a line. And that happens. That happens sometimes in LA. You know, there are these yeah. really special items that are limited. That's the thing that we have to remember about nature is that it's limited and it's vulnerable. So if there's been a rain or there's been a storm, sometimes you don't see the farmers, they can't make it. Or there's only so many strawberries that grow as opposed to the grocery store where it's just kind of this, there's always something there.
1: Except for toilet paper and the pandemic. But yes, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's I, true. the same thing happens here. People run out of cherries or strawberries or the good stone fruit and, and or melons are a hot commodity because yes. they're harder to yes. grow here. So there's a lot fewer of them. And sometimes I'm making a decision. Okay, I'd rather deal with less of a crowd and less of a line and maybe not get the good melons <laughs> this week. Like that to me is a factor. But that's also why I think I strategize my path through the market based on my far- favorite yeah. farmers because I just know what they're growing. Going best. And I just want to make sure I'm getting that before I even look at everything else.
0: Well, I also think that takes us back to this idea of the cost of the farmer's market, right? And like this right. investment that we're making and that if you're buying something like, for instance, cucumbers, like if everybody has cucumbers, that drives the price down.
1: Yeah. And
0: that just makes it more affordable for everyone. A great one is like zucchini. In the middle of the summer, there's just oodles and oodles and truckloads of zucchini and buy the cheapest one that you can get. That then because yes. that's just, you know. That's a good
1: point too because if you are strategizing cost, if you go to the farmer's market at the end of the farmer's market, a lot of times you can get discounts on your produce because they would like rather sell it and get rid of it and some of it doesn't yeah. keep. And you can also- well, they don't also want to sp- pack
0: it back up in their car. They don't want to- Yes. You know, they don't want to put it back in their truck.
1: And the other thing you can always ask, especially with fruit, is if they're seconds. They're called seconds and they're yeah. the they're, they're referred to as such because they're like the lesser- Fruit, they're sometimes bruised a little bit or they're just not as pretty, but you can almost always get seconds from a fruit vendor and it will be at like half the cost.
0: If I'm going to make like a pie or yeah. I'm going to make um, applesauce or something like that, you can go into the seconds box and then you just cut off the parts that are like a little bit bruised. And, you know, that happens like in any job. A few of those apples will fall out of the Box and get Bruce. And so they just put them in the seconds box. Like, what are you cooking with the things that you're buying? You know? Yeah,
1: exactly. That's just sort of I think where we're headed too. Like you strategize based on like how am I gonna get all this to my car and what do <laughs> I, eat, you know, what do I need in what order? And what is like heavy to carry? I mean, I think about that too. If I'm gonna buy a giant flat of berries, I don't want to walk around the market with that. I want to yeah. buy that and put that in my car and then have my hands free.
0: Exactly. But also if it's 90 degrees, I don't want to buy that and put it in my car and let it bake for the next 45 minutes. That's so another much to way consider. To yeah, there's a bit of strategy involved. If I'm really doing a big shop, we have a wagon that we pull yeah. sometimes. And sometimes that makes it a little bit, especially on the weekends. My favorite market on the planet is the Santa Monica Farmers Market on Wednesday. It's a special market. It's been going for a really long time. And there are farmers markets that are more community based. And there's, you know, you can get an egg sandwich or you can get a tamale or you can get a fried rice or you can get some of these. Cooked items as well, but there's a purity to the Santa Monica Farmers Market on Wednesdays, which is it's really only produce. It's a um, chef's
1: market. It is design and yeah. build, and in fact, they let the chefs come earlier than I think the general public. I think it's everybody comes
0: now at eight. They they really they've even they've evened the score. I think. Oh wow! Um, it used to be. Of, it used to be. Yeah, that that if you were buying wholesale, you could get in a little earlier, and maybe that's true. I don't. I guess I shouldn't speak speak to that but and you, you're you right you see it's like I've said this a couple of times before it's like you can see the menus of Los Angeles being written on Wednesday mornings yeah
1: it's a beautiful
0: thing to watch the 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 chefs walk around and kind of survey what's going on and it's like you can see their brains working and I think Again, as someone who is a transplant to my city, that's also a way that I learned about what restaurants I like, especially when I first moved here. I couldn't afford to eat at any restaurants that were fancy or not even just fancy, just basic and I really learned about, you know, who was cooking what, who had worked for who, what was someone's entry point to being a chef, which was also a way that I made sense of what my job was as a private chef. I would always say, I'm not a restaurant chef. And you've done both. There's such a difference between the two ways.
1: Even here in Portland, I love our Wednesday market is a chef's market too in the summer from May to October, more than just the summer, and endears me to certain chefs when I see them buying from my friend Noemi as opposed to some bigger farm or and in fact there's a really amazing chef who works at one of the farm stands. Like he's not a farmer, but he works there. And yeah. you know, we've we've developed a friendship. And then you have a dialogue. You're like, I'll ask him, yes. I'll be like, so what are you gonna do with all these romano beans? What are you gonna do with the corn? and then the, when they share it with you it, ins- it inspires you and just these conversations that emerge and i think that is part of the other tip i give people is if you see something that attracts you and you're not sure what to make with it the, the person working there almost always has an idea
0: yes well i'll i'll say as a person standing behind the table many years ago that was true because and and it wasn't always my ideas that i was offering you just hear people talking about it and so a lot of times like a customer would come and get a big bag of whatever kind of potatoes and I would say like, oh, well, what are you going to do with those potatoes? And then they would tell me. And then 10 minutes later, someone would come and say, wow, these are really cool potatoes. What do I do with them? And I would say, well, this customer was making scalloped potatoes and this is how she was going to do it or how he was going to do it. And so it's or a- if you're a very
1: chatty person like me and you're behind someone and they're asking, I don't know what to do with red currants. And I'm like, yeah. you know, you can pickle them and they're really delicious pickled. And then you end up in a group conversation with four strangers about things everyone's pickling. And it's like, yeah, yes. just there's no I think people enjoy that interaction. I think there's no reason to be shy. I always learn from hearing about other people's recipes and what they're doing with their
0: produce. We are such devotees of the farmers market, but I think part of what we're trying to offer here and acknowledge is that a day a weekly farmers market isn't everyone's experience. And so yeah. what I just want to offer is just be brave, make a friend, ask a question. People are so happy in that space to help you, and if you see someone carrying something to your point, you see someone carrying something you're like Oh, where is that? It's such a community-based place. I think that's what's so special about it. Yeah, it
1: makes it so much more fun too. It's just like your weekly feeling of connection to the place where you live, which I think we don't have a lot of right now because so much still on Zoom. We're still different, you know, and this is a place and it's outdoors and you really can feel like, oh, I live here with these people doing these things. But yeah. I always learn from you in terms of your organizational skills. So what I want to know is some of your hot takes on what you do with farmers market produce, like how you're storing it. I think I remember you telling me that you come home and you lay everything out and you deal with it right then and there.
0: Well, I think that's like the goal. You know, I think coming home and laying it out and washing it or making even just making a list because I I try to cook with what I'm inspired by and that's different than saying this week, I'm going to make this kind of chicken that has these ingredients, and I'm going to go to the store and buy all the great ingredients. I think there's an openness to the way that I cook, but I can easily forget what I've bought. And also, I can easily feel overwhelmed. Like, if I know that there's two bunches of unwashed kale, the thought of having to wash them before I cook dinner is so annoying to me. I'm just like, <laughs> Ugh, I'll make something else. Part of it is knowing yourself and knowing like what your own schedule is. But I think ideally, the easiest thing Thing to do is kind of come home and break it all down first and file it away in your fridge to make it usable for yourself you know I love when so, you, you've
1: you said it before and I think it's so cute and true when you talk about filing away your food like a filing cabinet it's well, it is yeah. a cabinet. I mean you want
0: it you want it usable and I think that is something that I learned from clients and it's also like this idea that when you open your fridge what is the first shelf that you see I'm a tall person I'm 5'10 so like where at my eye level are my eyes drawn and that's where I keep a Tupperware full of carrots celery. Celery, cucumbers, peppers, things like that. And that's also where I keep things like berries that are going to go bad quicker than if you stick like a turnip in your produce drawer or even a bunch of greens in your produce drawer. That's different. A bunch of oranges and apples, those can stay in your produce drawer for like weeks on end.
1: Can we talk about some of the tips? I almost want to like rapid fire and you tell me what you do with them. And okay. We do that? Right.
0: Yes. Okay. Ready?
1: Go. Berries. What do you do when you bring berries home from the farmer's market?
0: I line a container with a paper towel. I put them in the container un- washed. And then I put another paper towel on top and I cover them. And then I write on top, please wash before using. (laughs)
1: Same. Okay. I don't write, please wash before using, but I do exactly the same thing. Just to remind
0: my husband that they need to be rinsed before we use them. Although I don't wash raspberries, which my friend Annie thinks I'm crazy for, but I don't wash raspberries because it just waterlogs them.
1: I- Personally wash. How do you feel? You just berries. you
0: you were very squeamish when I just said I, that.
1: What well I just I tend to wash any and everything, but with raspberries, what I do is I really lay them out on a kitchen towel after so that they can kind of air dry and soak into the kitchen towel before I eat them. The one berry that I wash before putting it away but I let it dry completely is blueberries because I find that they don't get harmed when you wash them. Yeah.
0: Make sure that there's like a dry paper towel or I shouldn't even say I've tried to get rid of paper towels so I have like old napkins or I've cut up old towels and things like that and I usually line all my containers in those things. So yeah. so so berries. What
1: do you do with greens, salad greens, like or a head of lettuce? There
0: is a great farm that I buy a lot of salad greens from that are – a couple of them that are already washed, which then you pay a premium for. But when I come home, if I've bought a bag of greens that are already pre-washed, I usually stick like a paper towel or a a towel into there in case there's any additional moisture because that also helps preserve them longer.
1: With salad mixes, if you do that and you put them in an airtight container – a bag works too because sometimes they come in a sealable bag, but if you right. tra- if you put them in an airtight container, they really will last for a full week or yes, more. Yes,
0: easily. And depending on like the leaf, a sturdier yeah. leaf versus like a more delicate leaf. But like a head of lettuce – I wash them. Also, it's like it depends on has, has it been raining? Are they really sandy? Sometimes you have to wash them a couple times. But honestly, the flavors of those kinds of lettuces are so different than a, a bag of lettuce that you buy from the, the grocery store. It's like oh no, my it's gosh. not even the same animal. Like
1: a farmer's market romaine is in its own category of lettuce. It's yes. not like the bags you get at the market. It's just so different. And I do the same thing as you. I That's one thing I always really try to wash ahead of time because I just will forget about it or not want to deal with it. And especially since I eat a lot of salad. For lunch. It's like, just, I know if I can just push through, just wash this now, it sets yes. me up for success in the week. And, yeah. you know, I think a salad spinner as far as kitchen gadgets go that's like one thing I think every kitchen should have
0: you like totally read my mind because you know how how yes how resistant I am to buying more equipment and I remember I resisted the salad spinner for years once you kind of cross that barrier of like not paying grocery store lettuce anymore (laughs) or even if you buy grocery store lettuce but you buy the whole head instead of the bag the flavor of that is so different and what's also amazing about going to the farmer's market is there are hundreds of varieties of romaine. All of them have these really beautiful names and um, there's one called Deer Tongue. There's one called Black Seated Simpson. And they also are different based on the farm that they come from. And I just think like learning those and then also coming home and washing them, to your point, it's like you really set yourself up for success by washing them and then spinning them and then putting them into a container, an airtight container. I use, I like glass.
1: I have a lot of glass, but I also still have plastic things from the restaurant and I think both work really well. And as long as you have some,
0: important piece. Airtight's the thing and then
1: having like some kind of paper towel or cloth to absorb moisture. Those are the two keys. Okay. What do you do with broccoli, cauliflower?
0: Generally, I try to wash them and I try to break them down. Like if I have a head of cauliflower and I'm not going to cook it for a week or two then I don't break it down but if I know in the next couple of days I'm gonna cook it I try to break it down like remove the core and have throw that into the compost I do want to add one thing that just popped into my head which is I'm a big fan of labeling things in my fridge I know that that's not what everyone likes to do but I think part of it is like my OCD so I use that blue painter's tape and a black like a, restaurant. And I, like a restaurant and I label everything because it also reminds me of what I have part of it for me is I've made a huge investment, not just in terms of money, but in terms of time, the amount of time it takes to drive to the farmer's market and park and pick all these things and bring them home, they're all so special. So the saddest thing to me is if they go bad in my fridge. So how do I preserve that investment?
1: And to me, it's about where you put it. It could be what you put it in so you can see it and it could be labels. Okay. I have another in our rapid fire list that we're, (laughs) we're, we're tangentially talking about, but it's all good. I wonder if we do the same thing for asparagus.
0: For asparagus, I usually try to cut off the very tiny bottom of the stems. So the way I was taught about asparagus is that asparagus is like a flower, right? Yes. And so you cut off the bottom and then you put them in what is essentially a vase so that yeah. they can drink water and stay hydrated in your fridge. Is that what you do?
1: I do too. I put them in a wide mouth mason jar full of water yes. and then I usually cover them with a leftover bag. I, I recycle my produce bags. Yes. But you don't need that. But I find it keeps it crisper. And yes. yeah. And it can last for weeks, honestly. Like if it's been more than like three Four days, I'll switch out the water, and that brings me to herbs. Because I, that's by the way, I was about on. to
0: say, I'm going to throw herbs at you. So, what do you do for your herbs?
1: Okay, so I have done herbs in lots of different ways, and I typically at home it was different in the restaurant. So, I'm going to share both. But at home, I typically put them in a mason jar with water, and I cover them with the bag. You bacana. do, yes. But I don't do um, that. Okay. If I don't have space for that, because sometimes I, my that fridge takes a lot
0: of space.
1: It takes a lot of space. If I don't have space for that, then I wash them them fully and I wash them fully before I store them in water. I always wash my herbs personally. That's one I of the you-
0: easiest thing to do is like, yeah. to, like rinse that bunch of herbs underneath yeah. the water and like shake it out and then just lay it on a towel. That's one of the easiest I, things I think. I
1: dunk them in a bowl of water or sink oh. or, or, the salad spinner bowl. I dunk them in that, especially cilantro because it's so sandy. I'll let all the yeah. sand fall down, and then I'll put them on a towel and let them dry out. Then I'll put them in a jar, or I'll wrap them in a towel and then put them into an airtight container of some kind. Because if they're wrapped in an airtight can- container, they also tend to last for a minimum of a week. At the restaurant, we stored all of our herbs wrapped in kitchen towels in an airtight tub. But we were also process- using herbs so often that we had, in addition to like our storage herbs, like let's say we had like we always got herbs in like huge amount. Right. Half would immediately go to get stored in. Kitchen towels wrapped up in the tub the other half we would have like our um, servers or counter workers basically take the tops off of the stems of herbs and then fill deli containers or mason jars full of uh, parsley top just separating them from the stems cilantro right. parsley dill or mint any of those if you put a little again a little cloth or paper towel in the bottom of like a mason jar or a deli container full of herbs that's already had the stems taken off that will last like two weeks and no, then I didn't know yeah, that it really will it lasts so so long Wait, and so then you're you cutting
0: can, off the stem and then yeah. are you save did you take the stems like for broth or something yes like I always love
1: my save my right. stems for broths right. yeah so
0: the stems are going away and then you basically have a head of hair it's like this you know yeah. it's like a it's like a perm you know and you put it in a mason jar with a tiny bit of water or like real water
1: no water a no cloth, water.
0: cloth or paper towel also
1: I'm like scraping the herb tops off the stems with a knife or I'm picking them off with my hands there are no stems it is just leaves of oh. herbs Right. So, it's just dill fronds or parsley leaves or cilantro leaves or mint leaves. Okay. And then the only thing I don't do any of these things I've just told you about is with basil. We'll table basil for a second. Yeah, it bruises so easily. Um, yeah, basil, you kind of have to just use right away. I don't really yeah. think basil is a storage it or last. You, you just yeah. use basil within the first two days of having it. But if you're getting like a bunch of basil at the farmer's market, I just am right. always planning to make something with it right away. Right away. I'm like, I, it's like berries. I'm like, I got to use these fast. Yes. But
0: so then, yeah. So then I have a container of dill fronds. I have it right now in my fridge. You just had like a bunch of it ready to go for whenever you wanted to pick it and use it. Yes.
1: And so now I still have from a few weeks ago when I chopped up a bunch of dill and parsley, like I still have it and it's still fresh and good and I'm sprinkling it all over things. In a way, again, it's a little finicky to take, but it really keeps herbs lasting long. I don't know why. And
0: then you can take those stems if you're not making broth right away. I mean, again, this is something I learned from you. Only recently, you can stick all of those into your... Ziploc plastic bag that goes into your freezer. And just this past weekend, I had like I think I had two bags in there, three bags, and they were starting to get a little unruly. And so I just took them out, I dumped them into a pot, I added water, and I made a veggie broth, which I've used this week. So yeah, you know, saving these things and kind of honoring your investment, and also I think this this other idea that I want to offer, which is when you're cooking in your kitchen, it's really easy to keep going. When you kind of are stopping and starting, when you don't go to the store. Don't go to the farmer's market for a couple of weeks. It's like hard to get back into that rhythm. But once you start the rhythm, it's always moving forward in a way. Yeah, you you
1: find your rhythm. It's true. There's a couple other like quick produce things that I think have been helpful for me that I've learned from the restaurant too. So with radishes, I always take off their tops. I always wash them and I always store those in an airtight container. Same with turnips, separate the greens, anything where there's greens and bulbs like beets, carrots, radishes, always I separate the tops right away. And then this I didn't learn from the restaurant, but this is something I use at home. I keep citrus away from apples and pears because I learned that if you keep them in the same bin the apples and pears go bad quicker I didn't chemical know that. really there's something chemical about the interaction between citrus and some other fruit that you want to keep your citrus in a separate container or separate section of your fridge
0: so what where do you keep your citrus
1: yeah I have a citrus drawer and I can keep, I'll keep like other things in there sometimes too like let's say fennel bowl but I wouldn't put my apples and my citrus typically in the same drawer unless I know I'm going to be eating them within the week.
0: Right. I guess I kind of eat them within the week. I have a giant drawer, right? And you pull it out and then it has two sides to it. So I put all the fruit is on one side and all the vegetables are on the other. But what you're saying is like you separate them. So your apples kind of lay underneath of say your greens or something. Yes. Or in another
1: part. I also don't ever keep citrus on the counter as beautiful as it looks. And as much as I like to look at it, it just, sorry, like I found it just doesn't taste as good. It gets wrinkly. It gets softer. I like a very firm citrus. So for me personally, as much as it's not as cute, as having it out, I keep all my citrus in my fridge.
0: Yeah. I think it depends on what part of the season because, you know, the, the same is true for apples. And I'm forgetting what is the gas that like bananas – when they say like oh, if you yeah, want to ripen – Oxidize. No. It's like when – we'll have to look it up and – you know, maybe find an article or something. But, you know, when you want your avocados to ripen quicker, you put them in a bag with a banana, and then it makes it all ripen a little faster. So – and the same is true for, like, apples, especially if you leave them out and you don't refrigerate them. They will go mushy faster. Like, I live for January, February farmer's markets when all that citrus is just – it's so bountiful and so beautiful. Like, I use my citrus-like flowers. Like, it just adds so much color in my kitchen – And that's
1: true. In California, I would probably have my – first of all, that's the thing I miss most about California farmer's markets is the citrus. And that's different because it's never been in cold storage. But I think all the citrus we get here is transported in cold storage. And I just think it's meant to stay in cold storage. And I think that's the same point to the apples. Like apples in peak season when they've just been picked and never stored can stay on your counter longer than when – They've come from cold storage. Now you've brought them up yeah. to room temperature. I, in general, like I'm a keep my fruit in the fridge person. Yes. Like that's not everybody, but that's that's my preference. And in the summer when I get stone fruit, I tend to pick stone fruit that's slightly, slightly firmer. And then I leave it on my counter for literally a day because it usually is hot and right. takes very little time to ripen. And then I transfer it to the fridge.
0: We would have this conversation with people who would come for the melons and it would be like, this melon is ripe today, but this melon needs like two days on Your counter. And so then people would time out like when they were going to eat their melons. That's yeah, always an important
1: that's... question to ask about a melon at the farmer's market because melons are one of the things that are very expensive at farmer's markets. Yes. They just are. They're hard to grow and they take a lot of water. Anyway, even though I have experience picking out produce, I always ask the farmer about the melon. I'm like, how far out do you think this is? Yeah. Because you made an investment, right? And you want it to taste the best it's going to taste.
0: I don't know that, that a farmer would say like customer service, but that's part of what you get when you go and you're talking to the person that is growing this or the person that every week is coming to the market to sell, it's like going to a tailor, right? It's like they know about all the ins and outs and so they can really share with you.
1: Did you ever get the tip about how like those little lines, you know, those little rough lines on a melon, that that's a sign of a very sweet fruit? They almost look like scratches. I think it has to do with bees or... Pollinators, or
0: something, or the netting when the netting is really tight. It's also so nuanced <laughs> you can. There's a,
1: I'm sure there's a long conversation one could have about just picking out the perfect watermelon, the perfect cantaloupe, the fr- perfect right. honeydew, the perfect all peach, those,
0: the perfect, perfect peach, plum, the perfect cherries, all those things. I guess like I don't retain all that information because I just ask the people that I'm buying. Yeah, that. You don't have That's to. That's available to us. It just honestly, it just feels good. I love to be in that space. It really brightens my week. It's my favorite part of my week. Yeah, it's
1: a really special part of my week. And I feel so lucky to get to go and that there's, you know, not being in California, that there's still so much available here a little further up north. But before we go, I am really interested in what you're excited to cook right now from the farmer's market as everything's starting to
0: get really good. Well, one of my favorite easiest recipe non-recipes is just coming home and making a saute, but really mixing a lot of different items. So like if I get, if there's some kind of greens, like we've talked about like turnip greens, but I'm always called to like hails and then there are the robs that show up. And so getting some kind of greens like that, but also mixing them with like peas, uh, snap pea, snow pea, you know, mixing all that in with some garlic and some lemon. That I mean, I could eat that every day of my life.
1: So simple and so good. And that that's the thing is when you're starting with really good things, you don't need to do much. It's almost like don't get in their way. Just bring yes, it home yes. and put it in a pan and you don't need much Olive else. Olive oil, be-
0: garlic, a good amount of salt, a little bit of lemon. And then you just taste the flavor and the freshness of what you've just cooked.
1: For me, because it's been a long, cold, rainy winter and because we don't have citrus in the same way. I mean, we do have a little citrus at the farmer's market actually, but not what California has. The excitement that comes with rhubarb and strawberries, I cannot even tell you. That first sign of like there's more fruit to come. It's just so exciting. And so every year without fail, I end up making my first galette around this time. And you and your galettes.
0: I really love making galettes. I can't wait for them to show up on your Instagram. It's my favorite thing.
1: So I'm really excited about making my first strawberry rhubarb galette, and I'm happy to
0: share that recipe with everyone. It's just a highlight of my spring every year. I need to park myself in Portland when that's happening <laughs> in your kitchen. That sounds so amazing. Well, this has been really fun. We both really share a love of the farmer's market. It's such a special place for both of us.
1: And I love taking people with me to the market. So I think friends here know they can reach out and I'll give them you know a tour of my path through the market. And Yes. I love going with you to the market. I can't wait for you to come visit and come to the market with me here. And I can't wait to come back to LA and go with you to the Hollywood market again. Same, same. We'll have a beautiful week. You too. Bye. Bye. Bye.
0: Thanks for being our food friend.
1: If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe, leave us a review, and share this episode with friends. We love hearing from you. So follow us on Instagram or drop us a
0: line at foodfriendspodcast.com. Yes, we'd love to hear from you and your food friends. Happy cooking and eating.